May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father through his Son, his only Son, his soon-to-be transfigured Son, Jesus the Christ. We all have families, and all of our families are different. Some are large, some are small, some are loud, some are quiet, some are blended, some are scattered, some are two or three generations, some are four, possibly even five generations. Some are multi-ethnic, some are mostly Christian, some are mostly not. Some families are all or almost all Lutheran. And some of you are the lone Lutherans in your families. This is what we discovered and discussed last Sunday as we looked at the readings for this seventh Sunday of Epiphany. All three of today's scriptures have to do with family relationships. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to reflect on and rejoice over God's word about a forgiving brother, a merciful father, and a firstborn son. People God dearly loves. We'll start with Joseph from today's Old Testament reading. He has a crazy and complicated backstory. Some of you know it. Some of the rest of you maybe not know it or know it so well. So I'd suggest that you at least read all of Genesis 37 later today or tomorrow. And if you want to spend a little more time, read from chapters 39 all the way through 44. It starts here. Joseph is one of the 12 sons of Jacob. He's the first of two boys born to Rachel, and his ten older brothers have issues with him. First, because their father has given him a robe of many colors, a special garment signaling that, well, he's special. Second, because Joseph has two interesting dreams. Now, if he would have been more prudent, Joseph wouldn't have told Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah and Ezekar and Zebulun and Dan and Naphtali and Gad and Asher. His first dream has a scene out in the fields. One, one shock of wheat or bundle of corn stood up and all the other sheaves or bundles surrounded and bowed down to it. In his second dream, the sun and the moon and ten stars, excuse me, eleven stars, are all bowing down to one other star. The multicolored robe was bad enough, but these dreams were the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. So the brothers plotted. And one day when Jacob sends Joseph to check on how his sons are doing in their shepherding, they see their opportunity. Some want to kill Joseph and be done with him. But Reuben, the oldest brother, convinces them to sell Joseph into slavery and to go back home to Jacob with false tears in their eyes and goat's blood dripping from that special garment. Jacob grieves, and Joseph ends up in Egypt. 
Plenty happens in Egypt. I'll summarize it like this. First, Joseph is made a household slave. Then the mistress of the house attempts to seduce him. And Joseph, and, and he refuses and runs. So she accuses him of attempted rape. And Joseph ends up in prison. There he is entrusted with the supervision of all the other prisoners because, as chapter 39 ends, whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And in prison, the dreamer becomes the dream interpreter. But the one prisoner he helped get an early release forgets about Joseph until Pharaoh needs his dreams interpreted. So God reveals the dreams to Joseph, and Joseph tells Pharaoh, and Pharaoh rewards Joseph by making him prime minister, that's what I call him, over Egypt. More years pass. A drought impacts the whole region. But under Joseph's directions, Egypt has stored up grain, So Jacob sends his sons down to buy food for their families. This is all that happens to bring us to today's reading in Genesis 45. Joseph, at the first contact, immediately recognizes his brother, but but doesn't let them know what he knows. They don't recognize him. He's dressed differently. He speaks with a different accent. After accusing them of being spies and challenging them with money put back into their grain bags and the summoning of his kid brother Benjamin, now what do you think might have happened next? Will Joseph get his revenge? Will he throw ten brothers in prison and lose the key? Will he send ten bloody Israelite robes back to Canaan to shock elderly Jacob. That's not what happens. Instead, this strange-looking and loudly sobbing man says, I am Joseph. I am your brother. Our father Jacob, is he still alive? And then Joseph says, not once, not twice, but three times, God sent me here. You didn't do this. God sent me here. It wasn't your plot, but God sent me here before you to preserve life. So go back home and bring our father, my father, down to Egypt. And a forgiving brother embraces and kisses all 11 of them. And after that, the stunned brothers are no longer silent, but talk with Joseph. Today's gospel reading is a continuation of the blessings and woes we heard last Sunday in which Pastor Nettleman preached about. Those were challenging words, and these are also challenging words. I don't think that the artwork on the front of this children's folder quite captures the strength of what Jesus says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Are our brothers and sisters in Christ in Finland doing this in response to the treatment of Paivi Rasanen and Bishop Johanna Pohala? Are we praying for them? There's more. If you are smacked on one cheek, 
turn and offer the other one. If someone steals your coat, give him your shirt also. Give to everyone who begs from you and don't demand repayment. And I have to tell you, those words were not easy for me to read from the lectern. They're not easy for me to hear and to say to you because of a challenging situation and a challenging person that I've dealt with for many years. But here is not what Jesus demands, yet this is what Jesus makes possible. The people of his kingdom live differently. They aren't, we aren't, under the rules of the world, but under the freeing love of God. Be merciful, Jesus says in verse 36. Don't give people what they deserve. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. For God does not give us what we deserve. He gives us what we do not deserve. And this is how. Jesus did not lash out against those who betrayed him, who accused him, who mocked him, who spat on him, who cursed him, who condemned him, who crucified him. Jesus turned the other cheek. He didn't protest when his clothes were stripped off him and gambled over by the Roman soldiers. I can even imagine that Jesus offered the other hand for a nail at Golgotha and that he crossed one foot on top of the other for the spike as he was hung on the cross. For he is our forgiving brother. He bleeds and suffers and dies for all that we have done, for all the times we have hated, for all the times we have disowned our own brothers and sisters, for all the times we have disowned our Lord. And by his sacrificial death, Jesus wins for us a garment, a special garment, a garment of righteousness. The merciful Father gives this garment to each one of us, to you and to me at holy baptism. And faith trusts that the Father sent his Son here into this fallen world, into our Egypt, to preserve life, to be the way and the truth and the life. Now, if you've glanced glanced at my sermon title in your worship guide, you see that the first part says, A Firstfruit Son, but I want to change that now to A Firstborn Son. Because here's more good news for today, for you and for me. Jesus is the firstborn. He is the new Adam. As Paul writes to the church in Colossae, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is our older brother. He doesn't sell us into slavery. He buys us back from slavery by his perfect life, by his holy sacrifice, and by his third day bursting from the tomb. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 in this great resurrection chapter, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Christ Jesus is the first to break from death. 
to life. He is the seed planted which grows into the always living tree of life. For by his resurrection, these bodies, these seeds, our bodies in our caskets, in our graves, are promised to share in the glory of the firstborn and first fruit son. Then we will gather at the great family reunion, which will never end. Then we will rejoice that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and his sisters. Then we will rest in the Father's eternal kingdom of joy and of peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.